Joe here from Games Brains Habang Life with an episode of Desert Island Dregs. This is where my guest, Ellis from Sarkoth, has had enough and decided to go live out his remaining days on a remote desert island alone. To ensure boredom doesn't ruin the experience, since you are going to be taking three items from each of the GBHBL website main categories that we cover. That's the video games, the horror movies, and the music records. Okay. Yeah. So, before we dive into it, this is where we are going to talk a little bit more about you. Sarkoth, okay. you have oh. to give everyone the rundown. How would you describe Sarkoth? Um... Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, Sarkoth. It's uh, it's a band that I, I'm in. Well, me and Lewis started it back in 2017, or oh, was it late 2016? It was either late 2016 or early 2017 when we began. Mm. Uh, basically, it was quite a simple start. We were both getting into the black metal scene, and we both discovered quite a few one band bedroom projects and it just we both just kind of had the idea in our heads of like oh yeah yeah i want to do a one man project yeah oh you both kind of said it to each other one day and it's like well let's do a two man bedroom project <laughs> um so we we started we started this project and we we began writing songs um didn't get too far mm. uh, it was quite a slow process initially uh like we both just kind of come up with the occasional riff. And then I, do you know the song Dreams of Emerald? Mm-hmm. I then just one day that kind of just came to me and I wrote that entire thing in about two days. Okay. I would say uh, uh, the, the, that was one of the last set of lyrics to actually get done uh, thinking about it though. Um, so we had that and then I was like, well, I've written a song. So then Lewis then had to write a song and that became a land divided. And then it just kind of spiralled from there. And that entire album was written pretty separately, as in I'd write songs, Lewis would write songs. Uh, and they, they, it's just lucky that they all kind of work together. Uh, so that was kind of the writing process for that. I mean, obviously, once they were all done, we'd tinker with them together afterwards. Yeah. But I don't think there was any songs on that album that were written with us both writing on the same song at the same time at any point. It was very, that album was a very 50-50 project. Okay. Um, and then we brought Acer in. Uh, he, he was our bassist for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he poached his other band's drummer, Daryl. And with that lineup, we recorded the album. Mm-hmm. Acer did quite a bit of the vocals. We, we split it probably about 50-50. Um, and by the end of it, we had Yera. Uh, our debut album um but obviously before that we had the 2017 demo as well uh that was a very on the whim thing um because we we realized how can we get our music out there we've got bloodstock coming up mm-hmm. obviously we weren't playing it was our first time ever going to bloodstock in fact uh, i just made 200 cd uh 200 100 cds yeah um of that obviously you got one um I pretty much just went round the campsites on the first day of Bloodstock and just launched them at people like, have this, have this, have this. And uh, most people used them as tea coasters, and then yeah. a couple of people liked it. I think that was a big help. That got us quite a few, uh, quite a bit of traction. Then 
after that era came out. Uh, and obviously now we've got Follow the Cult. Um, the first the first year of live as well, we only did four shows. We did the first two, which was um, at the start of 2018, in one in Nottingham, one in Wolverhampton. Yeah. First one went well, I'd say, considering none of us had ever played live on stage before. Um, except halfway through Ace's bass solo at the end of The Wanderer, I tripped on his bass cable and ruined it. I completely broke the cable right when he was doing his little outro bit, so that was <laughs> amazing. Wow. Um, and, then, and then the second one went horribly. The second gig was awful. There were people in the crowd saying, was, I heard somebody go, it's like watching a first fucking rehearsal. I was like, oh, that stung. So I left that, I left that gig a very angry man. Then Daryl left because he just doesn't like black metal. Fair enough. Um, and then it, it was just working on the album. Uh, then the end came around and Bruce from Deadwood Lake got us a few couple of gigs because we're, we're good friends with Deadwood Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he got us a few gig and, uh, gigs. And I think that's kind of when we came together. And then in 2019, we just did, uh, well, I think we near, near enough did at least a gig a month. We did 13 shows that year, mm. two festivals, uh, the, which were both our best shows as well. We did Oak Fest in Derby, and we did the Blackwood Gathering. Of it's final, course, yeah. Hopefully it's final year, and that's when we brought out the stage gear. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a great experience. We've made lots of friends in bands. We've got fans across the, well, across the world, which is really humbling. We've got this German chap... Stefan, mm. he seems to love us, which is just such a crazy, humbling thing. Um, and now we've released Follow the Cult. Yeah. And that's kind of the comprehensive history of Sarkov. Very short amount of time, a lot of stuff happened. Um, yeah. You've described the clear progression from a basic idea to yeah. I guess where even back then you probably weren't taking it that seriously you and Lewis were kind of like yeah this is cool yeah we'll write the riff here or might put a song together at what point do you remember uh, well I guess you already said the song right was that the point where you went okay time to take this a little bit more seriously well I can't I, I always took took it a little bit more seriously okay uh, I, I think that's kind of it's been that way from the start but that's just because i think i get quite a lot of time to do and i just i just like doing it uh, I, I like kind of manning the ship but i'd say i'd say we began to take it seriously once the demo was okay. out and we were get and we were getting the good reviews back like your own i think that's when we started to like well i guess we better put in some effort now <laughs> okay okay so you're a two-piece now Yes. Um, what's the state of play with that? You were looking, well, you have been, I know you've been looking for a drummer for a few years now. Yeah. Um, and bass? Yeah, st- still looking for that as well. Um, yeah, it makes live a bit tricky. Mm. So we have to play the drums back through a laptop, which isn't ideal. It's especially not ideal when you can't hear them on stage because if you go out of time, it's not like you can all just pause and get back in time with each other. If you go out of time, song's fucked. And that's okay. happened a few that, that happened to us at our metal to the Masters show. We had to, com- yep, yeah, that that was a complete mess. That was, um, so that yeah, there are some disadvantages to it, um, and I've only got a two output interface 
as well. So we had output one was drums, output two was strings. But now, because we've got to put bass on it as well, I'm having to piggyback the bass onto the strings. So now the levels are never going to be quite right because we're going to have to EQ the bass and then the strings are just going to be what they are after that EQ because at the end of the day, the bass is more important. So it's a bit of a tricky situation, but, you know, hopefully we'll get something. <laughs> it yeah. just doesn't seem much in the way of uh, bassists or drummers where we are where you are yeah <laughs> yeah well actually i think it seems there's a there's a lack of drummers just in the world in general so yeah it does constantly seem to be this position that needs to be filled more than anything else yeah um yeah. but i suppose would you releasing follow the cult um you're at least going to have more almost audition music if someone is thinking okay i want a drum in a black metal band you've got yeah the yeah. more atmospheric metal, black metal side of things, and now you have Follow yeah. the Cult, which is out, out and out black metal, really. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, Follow the Cult is a completely different sound, and it's quite. A f it, it's it's actually the story for that is very similar to the story for how I wrote Dreams of Emerald. Um, I mean, I I don't think for for the longest part, Lewis even realised that the Follow the Cult was happening because okay. I got a I got an acoustic guitar for Christmas. Um, and so that acoustic guitar intro, I just recorded that just to see how it how it sounded like recorded. Because it, it's an electric acoustic, but I've still not got any batteries for the electric bit. So I just recorded it with this. And that's the like, intro thing there is that. The dun 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 that bit. The bit that the bit that sounds a bit like the Satanist. because um, that was big inspiration. Um I recorded that. I was like, ah, oh, I quite liked how that sounded. And then I realised how it could go from there. And then the, I wrote the entire first four minutes uh, before it kicks into the... Duh, 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 and you've got the hi-hat counting it in. Mm. Up until that, I, I recorded all of that. Vocals, drums, uh, synths, everything. Showed Lewis. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's cool, that is. And then I think that was written in probably about three or four hours three or four hours split over a couple of days like and then i went away and wrote the other 15 minutes yeah <laughs> um i think i knew from that point that this is going to be a massive song and i was like i want to make this an ep them yep um and I, I about a week or so later i came back and had followed the cult written uh i brought lewis in i was like this is the song what do you think um all the strings, all the lyrics, everything done. And I think it must have been probably about 10 hours of writing overall, just just completely in my head. It, it was it's quite it surprised me, to be honest. And then he had to fiddle with it, wrote some bits for it. Mm -hmm. um, so, and just us them being in the same room as each other and being able to bounce off of each other, changed parts. They say, you know, the bit leading up to... Uh, where it just cuts out and there's the bass and it kicks back in. I, th I want to say that entire kind of section before that bit and after. So them like kind of three sections would not have happened if we were then just like messing about in the room together because we were re-recording stuff yeah. uh, so that we had his tone on his tracks. Um, and I was messing with the recording and just that kind of... we I accidentally created that gap and I was like, oh, there's 
that gap would be cool. Then we spent probably half an hour working out how to make that gap flow well with the bass. Um, and so that's an example of how we kind of bounced off of each other. But yeah, yeah the the actual like full structure of the song was I, I wrote in probably around ten hours. No, probably about eight hours, and then two more hours were spent with Lewis there, him doing his own bits and just changing things because you know, I wouldn't ever release anything without giving at least giving the chance to have some input because right, obviously yeah. on, the, on the era there are some songs that are 100% writ myself and on this new album there's is there there's songs that he's almost entirely written himself as well mm-hmm. so we do work quite separately but we always give each other the chance to input uh, which I think is a very important thing because Follow the Cult would not be uh, I don't know how to word this without sounding cocky it wouldn't be a pr- actually yeah I've worked out how to, how to word it it wouldn't <laughs> be a product I'm as proud with as proud of musically now if we hadn't have had that input because there were some bits I was like this is a bit wishy-washy here and then because we were able to bounce off of each other we fixed it and okay. we've got what we have now yeah, okay. total writing time about ten minutes. So a bit of a crazy story that. But ten hours, bit of a crazy about story s- that. Ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> ten minutes to write really an eighteen-minute song. Talented. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'm glad you're so proud of it because ultimately, you've got to be constantly moving forward, and it's clear that even if it's a different take on what you do or what you want to yeah. do, and it might not necessarily reflect what comes next. It yeah. shows you're still learning. Well, yeah, I mean, part of the reason we did it as an EP is because if it was going to sound what the next album sounds like, we might as well just put it on the album. Mm. What's the point of releasing it separately, paying people for this, as, making people pay for this as an individual product, if it's just going to sound like what they're going to buy next? Yep. Make something, if you're going to do an EP, make something different. No, that's fair. That's fair. You just chuck a few covers on as well or something. Well, that's what we did for The Wanderer, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, when that single was released. But but I, I think 17 and a half minutes is warrants, warrants just being on its own. I think put, if we were to put covers on it, it would almost take away from the EP. It, it's I not needed. You're absolutely right. No. One track, 18 minutes odd long. Um, I literally this morning did another one that was a one track 16 and a half minute and I don't look at them thinking they're unusual I think okay that's cool because that's if an EP's three tracks long that's roughly the same thing but just one I yeah it can make complete sense right we'll continue that a little bit further along but let's get into what you're taking on the island we're going to start with the games side first okay three Am I allowed to take a PC along as well to play them on, or am I just oh, taking the yeah. boxes we're to do, look at? We're doing the presumption <laughs> that you have all the kit you need. This is a fully equipped desert yes. island. It'd be a PC, a console, the wires, a TV, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, first one, World of Warcraft. Ah, uh, see, I'm, I, I knew it was going to be that one, of course. Yeah, Why? That, that was... Uh, because I started playing that game in probably late 2006 and I've played it nearly every day since. Still? <laughs> still, yeah, still every day. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realise it was, I mean, I knew it still existed, but has the player base uh, diminished over the years? Yeah. 
<laughs> really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, in Wrath of the Lich King, it was up at about 12 million. Mm. Uh, then uh, Warlords Adrenal, which was around 2012 time, it dropped to probably seven. Mm-hmm. Five or seven million. Um, definitely not six. De- either five or seven. Six mm-hmm. isn't an option. Um, then it picked up a bit in Legion, but now this most recent expansion. It was a bit rushed out the door because, you know, Activision. <laughs> Activision owned Blizzard and they like to rush things. Aye. Um, uh, so it has suffered a bit then. Um, basically, they really need to do another Legion. Like the last expansion. Okay. World of Warcraft Legion. They need to do one as good as that again, or else it's going to suffer big time. Right. Especially yeah. with all the negative press Blizzard have been getting recently with like Stanged with Hong Kong and uh, the Warcraft 3 Reforged. Yeah. Lowest rated game stories. on Metacritic. Yeah. 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 The Warcraft 3 one is, uh, well, that's so bloody recent. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they. It's still it's still got a player base. It's still it's still the largest MMO by a sh- massive amount. Yeah, I was you about know, to say millions. between five and seven. If it is, you know, that amount is an, still an incredible feat. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was 2012-ish. It might have dropped too. It might have plateaued. Or it might be higher now. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't think it's higher. It's definitely it's definitely not higher. Well, what would BFA? But um, is it still yeah. is it still paid uh, paid for for subscription? Yes, but the free trial has changed. Whereas before you got a 10-day free trial to get as far as you could. You've now got like a restricted trial where you can only like get to level 20. There's quite a lot of restrictions on it, to be honest. You can't like um, talk in public chats. If you want to like do a private chat with somebody, they've got to message you first, that kind of thing. But that's to stop people from making loads of these accounts to spam gold-selling websites and stuff like that. Um, Makes sense. but, uh, But that trial model is now permanent so you can you can have a trial for as long as you want so it's it's kind of like a very limited free to play to see if you like it that's fair be honest you don't need another two games world of warcraft will be fine <laughs> what are yeah. the other two then so the next one is crusader kings 2 by paradox studios that's um have you ever played total war i'm not total war yeah i've never played it uh, it's 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 like that, but also nothing like it in the sense it's grand strategy, on like a massive like near world. Oh. Oh. It's it's Iceland to India, and down to Northern Africa. That's kind of the scale of land you're covering on it, um, and it's set between like the years of eight eight hundred and twenty something and. 1400s it's mid, it's mid, early middle ages to late yeah. middle ages and instead of like building up massive armies and conquering all about lands the uh, conquering loads of lands the idea is you have to keep your dynasty alive so it's almost like it's almost like a role play game in the sense of you are keeping your characters alive and it's very character driven rather than army driven um it's it's great you it can you can have crazy things happen it, like it's you can play replay historical events like you know, 1066, Norwegian invasion of England, stuff like that, if you want to. But then, it, it just goes off the rails. History completely rewrites itself. You end up married to your sister. You <laughs> pope's a horse. It's fantastic. It sounds you, you, you incredibly become, in depth. You can become oh yeah, it's massive. It's massive. It's it's an old game now. They're releasing three soon. Um, okay. Got like over a hundred pounds worth of DLC. 
but it is DLC that adds stuff. But based on the last game we played, I don't know if I can approve that or not. But I'll still play it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, it's what's, crazy. What is the last one? Grand Theft Auto Five, because I think it's just got so much replayability. Okay. I think it's a very that's kind of the simple game out of them all, like the one that you can just kick back and relax to. Because I thought I'd go for the one that I really like, enjoyed loads, that I'm properly addicted to. Yeah. Then one that you know your strategy that requires a bit of thinking, and then just one that you can just kick back and just relax with. Yeah, because you can kind of approach it anywhere you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I. I'm a fan of it uh, as much as anything else. So very easy to sink many hours in. With these three games, you wouldn't need anything else. No, no, not at all. Are you much of a uh, multiplayer on Grand Theft Auto V, though? Um, I can never get it to work. <laughs> I've 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 got a decent enough PC, pardon me, and like fiber optic internet. But for some reason, I just can't get it to work. I so I just stick to single much. player. Probably not. I mean. The single player has been always been what I've enjoyed about GTA. I'm quite happy to just I've completed the story now, yep. so I'm quite happy to just load up with cheats, drive about, and see how long I can stay alive for. That's Your favourite Grand Theft Auto? <laughs> it's between five, four, and San Andreas. Okay. Between five and San Andreas. Five and San Andreas. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I think if I want to go for like loads of mechanics. Probably San Andreas. Yeah, it's that's like the OG and you know the massive that is you know. Yeah. And but then I think in terms of just you know polish five, it just it plays so much easier. Yeah, it is chalk and cheese in regards to that, particularly how the mechanics, as you say. Um, where did you come in with Grand Theft Auto? Was it were you were you, were you there at the start basically? Uh, I mean, I wasn't there for like one, two, yeah. London, and then ones. Um, uh, yeah, I played GTA three. Didn't play much of Vice City. I pretty much went from three to San Andreas, and then obviously four and five. Yeah. Uh, obviously, jumping in at three, it's almost like a, it's a totally different game. You went from top town um, to fully three D real world worlds. J- jumping into three is like jumping into Fallout at three. Oh yeah, it's a very similar thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. a shame you never really um, put much time to Vice City. It'd be hard now because it hasn't aged well. But Vice City is my Grand Theft Auto. Oh, Lewis would Lewis would say the same thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. He yeah. loves Vice City. I love Vice City. So much fun. So, before we get into your horror, then. What um, are you doing now in life in regards to, are you working? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm working. <laughs> that was a frustrated sigh. I work. I, no, I enjoy my job. I do enjoy my job. Um, what do you do? I work, I, I, work with, oh, I work in the NHS in pharmacy. So if you need any cowpol, I can <laughs> smuggle you some. Um, <laughs> I, worked at the NA, I work in the NHS in pharmacy. Um, I've just completed an apprenticeship in it. Um, secure myself a permanent job by the mm-hmm. by the skin of my teeth. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that's what that I'm doing for? in terms of work. Um, since December 2018. So fairly, that's a decent chunk of time. That's over two years now. Uh, 
over a over one year because obviously December 2019 and is one oh, year. Oh, I think it's the 2018. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I did. Oh no, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Um, you can tell I've not had more than three hours sleep today. Yep, you're right. Over a year, still a significant amount of time. And before that, were you doing anything? Yeah, I was in retail before that. Oh, I. I'm working in retail. Obviously, a part-time contract there gave me a lot of time to work on music, and I don't have that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. My days are a lot longer now. Um, a lot more tiring, I take it. Yeah. So that has slowed progress a little bit. Progress is still happening. It's just not. I, I couldn't spend entire days on it, and then go to work in the evening, and then come back and spend a bit more time on it. What's the reality of being in a band nowadays? You gotta work oh, yeah. full time. Yeah, definitely. So you went to college, right? Yes. Yeah, me, me and Lewis went to college That's together. That's where you met. Yeah. What did you yeah, study? We, we studied film. Um, yeah, we studied TV and film production. Uh, went on to do that at degree level mm-hmm. as well. So got a degree in that, which has been useful occasionally. It's obviously I've not got a job in that, but. It has. I do get occasion some occasional opportunities. Like sometimes we go and we fil- we live stream MMA fights, or well, we operate the cameras for the live stream MMA fights. So we do that sometimes. In fact, oh, really? we're doing that. Yeah, we're actually doing that next Saturday, Saturday the fourteenth. We're doing one. So we do that. Yeah, travelled all the way to Kent to do that once. Fuck me, we didn't get home until about four in the morning. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah, we're not doing that again. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so it has it has brought up opportunities. So it wasn't as much of a wasted degree as I was worried it might be by the end of it, and it funded my music career through through the student loan. Oh, perfect. Yeah, but yeah. then you, you you're suffering the consequences of that now still, right? <laughs> uh, not yet. I don't not quite earn, I don't quite earn enough to be paying um, to be paying it back. Oh well, I suppose that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, in a kind of twisted backwards way <laughs> absolutely um so what would be the ideal career if you could uh, beyond obviously being a superstar band would you want to do something that did um take advantage of the degree yeah it'd be nice to do it would be it would be good to do but it's a very cutthroat industry as well mm. it's a very cutthroat industry but then again i guess so is music or at least music on the large scale um it, it'd have to be something creative yeah, yeah. I mean, as much as I like my job, I hate having a job. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, 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 you know, if I if I won the lottery, I wouldn't quit, but I would definitely reduce my hours. I was when people say that, um, you know, if I won the lottery, I'd stay on part time or I'd do a couple of hours here because I wouldn't. Do- Mate, I'd be out the door so quick, I would happily sit and stare at a wall. For eight <laughs> hours a day, if it meant I didn't have to go to work, you know. Uh, I think I'd drop down to a shift a week. The music you could fund, you could fund shows all over the world, you know. You could pay people <laughs> yeah, to love Sarkov. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. let's get on to your horror then. What are you bringing? Okay. First mm. film, Short of the Dead. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. I mean, it's an incredible movie. 
It's... <laughs> oh. I think the problem for me with Shaun of the Dead is that it's one of those overly quoted, overly memed uh, movies that when I kind of see it now, <laughs> I shudder a little. I think there's a good reason why it's overquoted. Because it is a fantastically funny film. Fair enough. Um, I, I'm not going to say it's got its scary moments because it's not much of a horror. But I thought, you know what? It's got zombies in. Uh, and your logo has that zombie lying on your hat. Yep. So I was like, you know what? Oh, I'm going to put this in. And you can't say no because it's literally in your logo. Suck up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, zombies. Um have been although i wouldn't call myself a fan of zombies horror nowadays that's purely because modern zombie horrors are the fucking worst um is what got me into horror um a specific movie uh the return of the living dead i love Shaun of the dead um i i'm a massive do you like spaced do you know spaced simon Pegg's early tv show uh no but i do know big train Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, of course, big train. It's very, it's very early TV show. Very, but now I never watched. I've been recommended it a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I just, I just forget to. Try and remember to. I've just done it. It's only two seasons uh, with like six and seven and one, so it's very short. But um, the the writing on the wall. There's like a, there's an episode based around Resident Evil Two. For example, um, <laughs> the the writing was in the wall for the Cornell trilogy um, stuff. Yeah. And do you rank Hot Fuzz and The World's End as high as Shaun of the Dead, or? No, I think I think they rank in the order that they were released. Ooh, yes, yes, one hundred percent, yes. Yeah, yeah. Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead are very close. Oh yeah, and then there's a bit of a drop, a little bit of a drop. <laughs> yeah, you are right. Yeah. Um, yeah, because when I think of the movies, I can probably do, quote, most of Shaun of the Dead, a fair amount of hot fuzz, and then I might struggle with, uh, oh, is it At World's End or The World's End? The World's End, the pub, yeah. At World's End was Pirates of the Caribbean, That's right, it? it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I think the only quote I can remember from The World's End was, fuck off back to Legoland, you prick. <laughs> At the end. This is a fantastic quote. It needs context, but yeah. Yeah. All right, what's your second one? Uh, aliens. No, sorry, Alien. Alien. Right. Sorry. I was just about to say, you do mean the action sequel, but no, you mean the original. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah because, I mean, just like some of the stories behind it, like, you know, the cast not knowing that the chess burst was going to come is... Stuff like that is just fantastic, yeah. and it's a properly tense film, and it holds up. A lot of movies, a lot of horror movies, I think, kind of age, but I don't think that one does. I no, think I 100% agree. Are very, very good. It's hard to believe that was released in 1979 when you watch it. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder how they even did the chestburster scene without anybody realising what was about to happen. I, I couldn't even fathom how they would do that. It's... It all makes me wonder, are they all telling the truth here, or is it one of those, well, look, it's a good story, so let's all stick to the uh, hey, script. It's, it's, I think it has to be, because, like, they'd, they'd have had to have seen the crew put it up a shirt, wouldn't they? Well, yeah, you would think, I mean, as well, surely if you don't know what's about to happen, and you're a professional, and the camera's rolling, but how do you stay in character? Do you not start thinking, oh, um, 
it's um, John Hurt, right? Um, he's actually hurt here. Like, you know, I, I, I do wonder how much of that story is true. <laughs> I suspect they knew something was going to happen, but they didn't know it would specifically be that. Probably that, yeah. Is there a particular scene, um, aside from the chestbursting one, I guess, that you remember the most? I'd say it's almost more the sound design that I remember mm. more. It's just so, so eerie and cool, man. It's such a good film. It really, really captures that loneliness of space. Um, yes, absolutely. Which, again, for the era, is incredible. Yeah, they um, know that film. Oh, yeah. and, and like the scenes in the tubes as well. Like when they're first, yeah, when the aliens first kind of there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's one of my all-time favourite. Well, you know, I 100% agree with you on it. It's a great choice. Um, probably not something I could watch every week, though. You have to leave a big gap to really enjoy mm. it each time, I think. Um, what about the sequels? Fans? Uh, I've not seen them. None of them? I, I began to watch Aliens, but then I had to go out and I've just not got around to it since. I don't oh. watch many films. I might have a degree in film, but I don't watch many films. Well, you're busy with so much else, yeah. Mm. I tend to watch big TV series more than anything. Okay, more of a TV person, yeah? Yeah, I, you know, like the big budget season things. Uh, but then also like the Dave panel shows as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stick Dave on in the background, you can have great fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, fan of Taskmaster? Uh, that's one I haven't seen I, because I don't have my... I don't have a telly in my room anymore, so I, don't, I, I can't lie in bed and watch it anymore. And that uh, came out after after that kind of change happened. So. Oh, fair enough. QI Which, was always my one. Oh, QI. Brain yeah. box stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That was good. What's your third movie, then? Probably the scariest one out of all. The, uh, it's the live-action Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Come on, that, that scene when they are pinned to the wall and the chicken's about to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you actually a fan of this movie? Or are yeah, you I just do, taking uh, the piss? Now, uh, I haven't watched it in a very long time, but I do recall it being quite a funny film. Mm. So, <laughs> I just don't know that know... many horror films. <laughs> We're talking about uh, the one that has Freddie Prince Jr. as Freddie, um, Buffy as, oh, I can't remember the character's name. Daphne. Daphne, that's right. Yeah. Um, can't remember who the others are. Um, yeah. Okay. I would call it a horror movie. I would. There's some scary scenes in that. <laughs> like, like when they're being eaten by the roast chickens. Um, here's the thing. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you're a kid. That's terrified. Yeah, I get what you're getting. Uh, you know, I, I, I follow you. Um, it's a fun I thought movie. you'd like that. I thought you'd like that answer. I picked that one especially. <laughs> We're not even going to dignify any of this now. <laughs> um, it's a good choice. you got Alien, Shaun of the Dead, and Scooby-Doo. The live-action movie of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. You can I mean, have some fun with them. They, ha they had me convinced when Scooby was dressed up as Grandma. I wanted oh. to talk about Scooby. Well, yeah, I mean, think how easily now he'd get through an airport. <laughs> yeah, scary. You'd probably bring coronavirus in. Oh, <laughs> Well, right. that's, immediate, that's immediately dating this. 
These movies do it full stop. Yeah. Oh, I meant the interview. Yeah. Oh, that, the that's, coronavirus. That's, well, yeah, who knows? We could all be reference. dead in six months' time. So. Oh, it'll be fantastic. And then they can do a film about it. And that will that will then be. <laughs> well, somebody somebody make a film about it. They'll manage. They'll find a way. <laughs> Hollywood always finds a way. Maybe it'll be Bollywood. Oh, even think, better. I, I don't think India have it too bad at the moment, do they? No, and at least we can get some big musical numbers out of that. Mm. Exactly, yeah. So, going back to Sarkov, what are the steps or the plans for the remainder of 2020? Uh, Probably just try and chip away at the album, to be honest. Hopefully yeah. get it released this year, but I can't promise that. Um, it'd be nice, but I feel I feel like the pressure is off a little bit now to do that since we have now put out a release this year. That isn't why we did the release, but I feel like at least now we haven't been inactive this year. A couple of gigs, but we are trying to narrow our gigs down in general as well. Yeah, just because there's been a few occasions, there's been a few shows where we just really stuck out like a carrot in an omelet on the lineup. Oh yeah, uh, and you know the crowd aren't just aren't there to watch that. That isn't what they're there to see. So we're trying to narrow down the shows we accept just so that you know, we can reach people who are going to get us. It makes sense. People will tell you, oh, take every gig that comes your way and so on, but you're a black metal band and if every other band on that happens to be deathcore, you're not going to... They're not there yeah. for you and you, you're not going to get good feedback, in a sense, useful feedback. No, you know, you're not going to sell any merch. It's... Mm. Overall, it just... I feel like it'd be more beneficial if we cut down how often we played. And I think it also makes it more interesting when you play less as well, because it's like, oh, they're playing, that's cool. Yeah. You know, think about it. When you've got the bands that come around every few years... No, not every few years. Yeah, every... every well, all the time. Yeah. It becomes a bit run-of-the-mill. Of course. And then if you if you've got bands who only come around every now and then, it becomes it's like oh they're here, we see them. I feel like it might just add a bit more weight to the shows. Won't do any harm to add some mystery to you as well. Um, you know, some of the goes in hand in hand with black metal. Some of the bigger UK bands have that air about them, the Infernal Sea and things like that. Um, mm. I've made a just... wrong. Hmm? I made a right twat to myself at one of their shows. How? <laughs> <laughs> uh, alcohol. Oh, okay. Well, alcohol <laughs> makes the worst uh, of all of us. I've yeah. been there. Yeah, uh, I nearly fell asleep on the monitor, okay. trying to balance myself. Uh, my glasses flew onto the stage, and in my infinite wisdom, I reached across the stage to grab them. Uh, and then I accidentally knocked over one of their candles. Safe oh. to say, I, I did apologise in the morning and it, the candle wasn't damaged. Uh, but I'm probably going to apologise again because um, if we play with them again, yeah, I, w I will apologise face to face as well. But uh, yeah, I made a bit of a tip myself that night and now I don't drink as much. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you kind of felt like you needed yeah. to cut back? Yeah. And it, yeah. Feel better for yeah. it? Yeah. A wallet feels better for it. <laughs> So what do you do then, considering when you're not working, you're not doing music, you're not playing Warcraft, what else goes on? If I'm not doing one of them three things, mm. I'm almost certainly asleep. 
Uh, okay. Or I'm like at the pub with, with some friends, just chilling out. Um, I mean, it, I, because of my long hours, yeah. it's not even that the shifts are long, it's just the commute that's involved makes it long because I don't get a lot of time to do much else outside them things. So, you know, if I'm not doing that, I'll be socialising yeah. at the pub. And you, so in your local area, you have your friends close, it's that kind of thing, you haven't got to travel far, is it very localised? Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, it's Lewis who has to do the travelling. Um, uh, but yeah, we've we've got our friends here, we've got our local pub, mm. so it's good. You're happy there? Yeah, 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 I don't see myself moving from the area anytime soon. No. That's fair enough. Right, your three records then. Bring them out. Okay, so I actually changed to these last minute when I was just flicking through, but I'll, I'll start from the top. Okay. Uh, Winter Filleth, The Mercy and Sphere. Uh, I think this album was a massive influence to me as a songwriter. Yeah. I think it's their best album, man. That means just some of the songs on it are absolutely fucking fantastic. You know, it's got A Valley Thick With Oats. It's got the re-recording of Defending The Realm. Uh, the Wayfarer, all of them tracks absolutely killer. I think. I mean, not that any of their albums aren't absolutely killer. It's always very small margins. It, you know, even the acoustic folk one that's fantastic as well. But this one really grabbed me, and it's definitely the one I listen to the most. Must be excited for the new album. Yeah, oh, yeah. I pre-ordered that like sixty quid box. Oh, oh. I say I pre-ordered. I say I pre-ordered it. It's a birthday present that I'm putting money towards. Right, yeah, that's the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's pre-ordered. And I'm hoping I got in the first 50 so I get a slip map. Oh, nice. Fingers crossed. Mm. Yeah. Fingers yeah. crossed. Uh, second one? Yeah. Second one is Alters Final. by Crow. Yeah. Yeah, Alters by Crow. Um, this wasn't going to be on it originally just uh-huh. because I forgot. But then I remembered that this is absolutely one of my favourite albums. Right. I've got it six times. I've got six copies of this album. <laughs> two, two CD copies, a black uh, black vinyl, an orange splatter vinyl, and two test presses. Um, <laughs> so I've spent a lot of money on this album. Uh, it's, it's absolutely my favourite Doom album. It's fantastic. It's the band I've seen most live out of any bands, and I'm just kind of gutted that it all fell apart. Yeah. Because they were going places. But such mm. is the way. Very good album. Mm. Anything that Paul Kenny does is gold. Okay. All of his music is fantastic. Brother to Mick Kenny from Nana Thrack. So, okay. fantastic. And the last one mm. is Woods 5, Grey Skies and Electric Lights by Woods of Ypres. Or Ypres. Okay. Why press? I don't know. It's an incredible piece of art. Oh, it's a fantastic piece of art. Um, this is one that I discovered when a friend of mine just loaned me some CDs. Mm. Um, and literally just from the first song, I was hooked. It's such a fantastically beautiful and yet also sad album as well because of the story behind it. Because obviously, I mean, if you just read the lyrics, it's pretty much, it's pretty much a suicide note. And obviously he died in an accident before the album was released um almost certainly not an accident yeah but this album kind of became his epitaph and it's the first would you be album that i've listened to and i 
it's every song and it's fantastic. Um, I did an interview recently where I talked about Follow the Cult. Yeah. Uh, and I was talking about the meaning behind the Cult of Nature bit. And I forgot to mention that the actual term, the Cult of Nature, is in reference to this album, the song okay. Keeper of the Ledger, where it's got, where it's got the chorus. The actual lyrics vary, but it always goes back to the Keeper of the Ledger for the Cult of Nature. Um, uh, so that, that entirely inspired that lyric. Yeah. Because the lyrics for Follow the Cult were just a kind of collection of my thoughts at the time. They aren't necessarily a linear story. Right. I mean, they kind, they kind of work together, but it's mostly a collection of my thoughts that kind of work together for the song and the style of music. But that's where that came from. And that keep that the cult of nature reference is going to come back again within Sarkoth. Okay. That's, Spoilers. No, that's an excellent idea. Give yourself a little bit of a branding almost that ties into something that has meaning to you as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, which of those three would you say touched you the most emotionally then? Because it seems like it's that one. Yeah, it absolutely is. Absolutely is. Why? Massively. Can you identify I don't know, just, why? Um, just everything about it. Musically, it's fantastic. I've, you know, the songs are varied. Dave Gold was an absolutely fantastic musician. The music always fits the lyrics perfectly, and it has done for all Woods of Epre stuff. Um, the production's spot on for what it should be. It's so, I, just, I don't know, just every, every single song, and it grips me. So this is not like a nostalgic thing you're not sitting there going I'm taking this music that I listened to when I was eight years old this is uh, modern stuff right for you you I mean in that sense music in general is quite a modern thing for me I didn't listen to much music as a kid uh, I only really began to get into like metal and stuff in late school so I was going into college I mean I was still very new to just music in general yeah. by the time I met Lewis it just so happened that I progressed very quickly down the very heavy route of like black metal. <laughs> you know, it was it was only a few years ago where I had that phase of like, oh my god, the stubs are amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and 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 now I collect cassettes of bands that probably don't even exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and almost as well. There's some obscurity to some of. Um... I guess where your taste lies like you're clearly seeking out um well uh, the non-mainstream stuff right yeah um not intentionally i just find there's a lot of excellent music out there that just doesn't go heard because you know it's just it just never makes it and if we were to do that room i mean the zombie pit game again yeah. if we were to do that again I would probably put major festivals in that as well because I think they're going to die out soon anyway because you're going to run out of headline-sized bands. At least ones like Download, you're going to run out of bands that are going to be able to headline that because nobody's willing to accept, well, to put bands up there. Yeah. As soon as a new band comes up, people complain. And that's why I think the underground just absolutely flourishes. And then you get your festivals like Damnation, uh, Bloodstock to an extent, uh, and just all these little one-dayers like uh, Blackwood Gathering, uh, Incineration, Lords of the Land, yeah. that's just within the UK. Uh, Heavy Assault, or whatever it's called in 
whichever European country that's in, uh, that get these tiny bands on that are just mind-blowingly good. Mm. Um, and I, I think it's cool to collect that collect that kind of stuff in a more analog format. I yep. think there's something more special about it than that. Is there a particular thing that you like to collect? Are you more cassettes, vinyl, CD? So, for full albums, I'll get them on CD mm-hmm. most of the time. Vinyl, I'll usually get 7 inches and 10 inches because that's usually like more obscure stuff that just won't, that band won't put out on CD. Yeah. So, for example, Sarkista's Under Sentence of Death or uh, Arcane North, The Black Tour. Like, them two releases are absolutely fucking phenomenal. And as far as I'm aware, neither of them are on CD. Um, it's just, it's these little nuggets of music that you'll get on a seven inch that just you wouldn't have heard otherwise. Yeah. Um, you... And then I just, I, I get cassettes just because I think that it's just a format that suits black metal. Yes. There's, uh, and again, vinyl, I normally only really get black metal as well. Uh, I just, I just think the analog format suits the rawness of black metal because a lot of people say it sounds better on vinyl and technically I don't think it actually does. It sounds it sounds warmer. It's a warmer sound. There's more natural noise to it. In terms of actual like clarity, it's a CD is the most kind of pristine way of hearing music. But I don't think that plays into uh, more extreme genres of music. I think the best way to hear them is analog. I mean, I'll, I'll also buy them on CD as well because I like to be able to fucking burn them to my phone so I can listen to them outside of outside of this room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's my thought process of that. Obscure black metal, I will normally buy on cassette. Chances uh, are it's only available on cassette. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, like the Cumbrian black metal scenes, you know, like Blackwood and Legions of Darkness, they yeah. put out so many cassettes. Um, in fact, Blackwood put out Sarkov, Yera on cassette. Um, then for vinyls, like I said, obscure things that, while the bands may not be obscure, the releases aren't on CD. And then just CDs for everything else. No, that's fair. But enough. yeah, I'm I'm very picky about what genres are put on vinyl. Like Rammstein, I'm one of my favourite bands, but I think that's the type of music you need to listen to without kind of any analog grit or noise. You just need to be able to hear the music it's meant to be played I wouldn't buy Rammstein on vinyl even though they're one of my favourite bands yeah it's particularly well modern Rammstein as well it's something you want to hear so smoothly I would yeah. say yeah their last album was phenomenal by the way it, it was oh, so yeah. good it was an incredible <laughs> band um, so we'll wrap this up with a kind of a big question for you to answer um, no I'm not pregnant can't see <laughs> no one can see <laughs> well we're glad you're practicing safe sex um no i'm just it... i'm just just not practicing at all <laughs> unless you're offering <laughs> if you could change something within the music industry um something significant that would change the direction we're heading and fix a lot of the problems and it's an enormous question so you can give it in as many parts as you want what yeah, would you say this is probably going to add another 10 minutes on um well firstly stop having cover bands get fucking hundreds of quids for gigs in pubs that attract 
you know, that, that, I understand why they do because it fills rooms. Yeah. Okay, not necessarily stop giving cover bands so much money, but just if I could change anything, have just have people go out and listen to original music instead of just being stuck in this little time bubble of ACDC and Iron Maiden and stuff like that. Because these cover bands are good. You know, I've been and seen some. It's not something I'd go out and see unless it's playing at a local pub. But, you know, they, they are good. Yeah. But come on, man. Just write your own fucking music. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing I'd change. And then stop shutting venues as well. There's... Mm. But, because what happens is property developers are buying these venues or land around them, they build houses, and then the, these venues that have been here for 20, 30 years are getting noise complaints all of a sudden because people decide, I'm going to move in next to a venue and then complain. And then the venue gets shut down. And yeah. then it gets knocked down for more fucking shit flats. And then, and for example, you've got the flapper in Birmingham. That's being knocked down to build flaps. And the flats. <laughs> uh which is just such a massive shame. That's a great venue. That the the flap was on my bucket list of places to play, but that's not going to happen now. That's not going to happen um, now. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, not so much flats, but London many years ago de- decimated by Crossrail. You'll know Astoria. Got you know Astoria in London, one of the more uh, famous ones. Um, no. That got demolished for Crossrail. So. Oh, good. Uh, I want. I wonder how much is going to be demolished for the most recent rail project <laughs> in the UK. Absolutely, yeah. How, how many ancient forests are going to be demolished and how many golf courses are going to be saved? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's uh, quite a specific reference there, but yeah. Um, and then I'd also stop the fucking apathy within the UK, man. Okay. There's, such an, there's such an apathy within the consumers of music in this country. If you compare shows here to what I've heard shows are like in Europe, it's just so kind of... Everybody's just so bored and can't be bothered. I mean, that's not to say we've not had some great crowds. Great crowds still exist here. But it's just so much... Like I said, apathy. There's just so much... People can't be asked. People don't want to travel. Look at America. People travel hours for small bands. Yeah. But I mean, that's because they have to. But And then in Europe, you know, where they go mad over everything. In South America, where they go mad over everything. Yeah. South America fans are crazy. Uh, but then just the UK just kind of lacks that spark, which is insane because it's it's the home of where this kind of music came from. Be- because, especially in Birmingham, man. Yeah, yeah. Especially in Birmingham's fucking got wank at times. It's yeah. great at times as well, but it's got some awful times. You've got to get on the right promoters to get a good crowd at Birmingham. Okay, I didn't know that. Do you yeah. then, you know, without going too down a political path, do you think when Brexit is done and dusted, <laughs> then we might see more interest in the in the UK underground scene because we potentially will have a lot less you know, middle European bands, American bands coming over here because of the costs. No. No, I think people are just going to moan and complain. Uh, 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 There's naturally going to be a little bit more, yeah, because it's the only bands you're only going to be able to get over here that can fill venues. But all that's going to happen is you're going to run out of bands that can do that. Because at the end of the day, there's there's still only a limited amount. And them bands, like, like ourselves... Don't get massive turnouts. 
because people can't be asked because it's not a big band. Yeah. And the venues are going to get smaller turnouts. Venues are going to close. I think it's going to decimate the industry. Okay. I really think it is. Unfortunately, so do I. Unfortunately, so do I. <laughs> which is a damn shame. I didn't want to agree yeah, with you on that, but it's true. Yeah. On that horrible note, we shall end your time. Well, you're staying on the island. I'm <laughs> fucking off. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to stay there oh. alone. What? Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. I thought you meant the UK then. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, the desert island. Yes. Yes, the desert island. <laughs> you have your games, you have your horror, you have your Scooby Doo, and you have your albums. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. I will do. And oh, especially having with the, I'm going to film myself watching Scooby Doo and send it to you. Oh God! Thankfully, hopefully, the internet will cut out. Ellis, thank you very much for taking the time to do this with us. It's much appreciated. It's been a pleasure. Brilliant. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there, that's patreon.com forward slash gbhbl, as well as Big Cartel where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, and of course, if you like this video, do us a favour, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal, what else is life for? <laughs>